Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I am Sharon Walters, your BuilderCast host and producer. BuilderCast is created by Carolina's AGC to reach a wider audience in our construction community and provide on-the-go information we hope will lead to the growth and success of our industry professionals. Today, we continue our series on drones and construction. We are on episode four, and we are talking LIDAR today. If you haven't been listening to the drone series so far, I encourage you to revisit episodes one through three to catch up on our drones and construction information and specifics on infrared and photogrammetry and use cases and how to get started on those technologies. My series co-host, CAGC's Bill Stricker, is back with us today. And to inquire about most of the uses that um, you'll get from LIDAR. Along with Bill, we have Joe Burgett, professor at Clemson University and doctor of all things drone is back with us and will become a guest host this week. So thank you very much for doing that, Joe. And um, I think we'll all find it very interesting this week on LIDAR. Um, it creates digital elevations and or terrain models, if I understand correctly. Um, and so welcome back to my co-hosts. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, thank you for spending time again with BuilderCast. And I'm happy to hand over the questions to you guys today, as I said. And I will sit back and listen and learn. Um, we also want to welcome Joe Priestner with Duncan Parnell. Our friends over at Duncan Parnell are, are entering, um, if I understand it, entering the um, drones and LIDAR area. And Joe is their emerging technology manager over there at Duncan Parnell. They are always looking to provide technology solutions that benefit contractors, as everybody knows. Um, Joe, as we get started here, would you like to give an introduction about your role at Duncan Parnell and experience with this technology? Sure. Um, yeah, my role at Duncan Parnell is really a, a technology evangelist and uh, helping our customers implement some of these uh, more technology advanced uh, solutions. Uh, my focus is in drones, uh, structural monitoring, and also mobile mapping, some of the technologies that our, our customers need a little more guidance and, and direction with. So Joe, let's get started. Um, can you tell us a little about, about what actually is LIDAR and what's the origins of the technology? How, how was it developed? Sure, um, LIDAR is similar to the other um, ranging and, and, and uh, detection uh, technologies like sonar and radar, except in this case, it's using light to measure the position and um, uh, distance to a surface or to an object. Um, the origins really started back in probably the mid nineties uh, with a company called Syra out in California they invented the first laser scanner. It was a terrestrial-based laser scanner you set up on a tripod. And um, it just it scans a laser across a, a surface and uh, gives, you, um, gives you points of like a point cloud. So they, they kind of invented it, Cyrus invented it, but it was a stable stationary unit. It looked like a big box camera that you would put a hood, put, put a hood over yourself and uh, it was just ginormous. No way you could fly it on a drone. Um, so over time, probably 20 years, the technology just got smaller and smaller until you could put it on a, on a drone and start flying it around. 
Well, that's interesting background. But how does uh, LIDAR compare to traditional aerial photography or photogrammetry? Or uh, and when did they start using this in construction? Um, as soon as they got it on a drone, uh, it really, that's, they started using it in construction because it, it's drone photography is very important to uh, construction. So the construction uh, industry was uh, familiar with drones um, and it, they've always, uh, so they just implemented it. On, they put it on a drone, put the LIDAR on a drone. And um, as soon as they did, construction was interested in it. Um, and it, as far as a comparison to terrestrial conventional photogrammetry, um, conventional photogrammetry does require um, ground points for uh, an accurate measurement. Um, whereas the uh, LIDAR um, uses an IMU and uh, does direct georeferencing. So use an IMU and GPS. So you don't need as many ground points. The ground points are used mostly for ground truthing, checking it against, uh, checking your um, data that's coming in from the LIDAR against your uh, ground points. Um, and really, um, it's otherwise it's very similar to aerial photogrammetry. Well, well, let me jump in here a little bit, uh, Joe, and maybe can you talk us through some of the specifics? So you mentioned that as soon as it, you were able, uh, the technology was light enough and able to get on a uh, on a multi-rotor and be able to fly it around, uh, that's when construction started taking advantage of it. So what are some specific use cases that contractors are using aerial LIDAR for? Um, LIDAR is specialized for measuring surfaces, right? Uh, that's its primary use case. So in construction, especially heavy civil construction, the, um, you know, it's used to measure um, the topography of the ground surface. It's very important for uh, construction for your volumes, uh, quantities of material, quantities in stockpiles. Um, and like the first thing they do with uh, on a highway project is they want to verify the existing uh, contours that are shown on the plans, because that's what all their quantities are based off of for their, uh, for their estimate. So the first thing they want to do is get um, a good uh, or verify those, those contours. So they'll take the, uh, a LIDAR drone and just fly it over the site, uh, get a quick surface model. Even before they clear, uh, it'll give them a decent sur uh, surface model. Uh, that's the one, that's another big difference between conventional photogrammetry and LIDAR is uh, because the LIDAR is, is sending out so many laser pulses, it can penetrate some vegetation, uh, whereas with conventional photogrammetry, you cannot see the ground. You can't see the ground. You can't get a measurement on it. Right. Actually, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you about. What are the what are the big differences between, um, you know, traditional RGB type photogrammetry and, and you know, aerial LIDAR? But, you know, being able to, to see through vegetation, I can see that being a significant advantage. So the question I have next is really, you know, it's like any great construction question in construction it always is probably it depends. But can you kind of talk through like accuracy? I'm sure you get asked that question a lot. You know, what kind of accuracy can you get with LIDAR and, you know, what is the unit of measure there? How do you, what, what does accuracy even mean? Um, the accuracy is really um, 
like you said, dependent on multiple factors, mostly flight height and speed and ground cover. Um, so those three things um, are going to control your accuracy. Um, it's not unheard of to be able to get uh, ground accuracy, say, at a flight height of about 130 feet uh, and at a speed of about 18 miles an hour. With a LiDAR unit, you can, uh, on a kind of a gravel surface, to be able to achieve under one inch of accuracy vertically. Now, the point cloud that you're getting with a, uh, a LiDAR unit is not really suited for doing accurate horizontal type measurements. You'll see, you'll be able to see things uh, based on reflected intensity. Um, so you'll be able to see, say, parking stripes and things like that. But it's better suited for surface uh, determining, determining the surface, uh, the ground surface, more so than trying to trace planimetric features. So. So the accuracy, I'd say, is under an inch at some reasonable parameters. Uh, but if you are working in vegetation, um, grass uh, is one thing, and then forest would be a different type of accuracy. But ideal conditions, you can get under an inch of vertical accuracy. Now, now do you need ground control points to get that kind of accuracy with LiDAR? No, that would be based on... Um, so the, the drone itself, uh, typically a, a LiDAR drone, has a uh, GPS receiver in it that is continuously collecting uh, raw data. And it, it's going to be compared to a ground station. It's gonna, you're going to use a ground uh, base station to then compare that and compute the accurate position of the drone. Uh, but LiDAR really depends on uh, also a, an inertial measurement unit inside the mounted on the drone that measures the pitch roll and yaw of the, the, the drone. Uh, and all that is coupled with the GPS to give you your position. Because with a LiDAR drone, you really can't determine a target on the ground very well because you don't, uh, you can't really, you, you don't have as much resolution. Uh, so you can't really use that as a good way to control it. They do make targets for uh, LIDAR measurements, but they're really just, uh, they look like plates, you know, they're just like a two foot diameter plate you mount there, you get some points on it and you use that to verify the elevation. So not so yeah, much yeah. horizontal. Right. And, uh, and you had talked through some of the use cases that the contractors are using LIDAR for, but, um, you know, maybe can you talk through some examples about where you would use LIDAR as opposed to photogrammetry uh, and in both ways. Yeah. Uh, the, big, the, the big advantage of the LIDAR is being able to see through vegetation, uh, some vegetation. And so that's the biggest use case is trying to, uh, you know, go onto a site. We have one customer that uh, this is their request was they want to do solar farms. So driving piles for solar farms. Uh, they never have a great topo to begin with. Uh, they, they usually use uh, publicly available data to kind of design a solar farm. So in their case, they get there and their posts have to be, say, 10 feet apart on a slope. So their use case was they wanted to be able to go uh, and pre-calculate before they get there, pre-calculate their spacing that is based on the slope distance. 
So in order to do that, they need an accurate topo. Uh, and the best way to get that is with a LiDAR drone. Even, even if the, play, the, the site isn't cleared yet, they can go out there with that, get a good enough estimate of the ground surface that they can calculate the exact positions, horizontal spacing of these um, posts on a slope and then be able to load that into a machine that has a guidance system on it and then can, they can lay them out. So that was one of the biggest, uh, biggest or unique uses of uh, a LiDAR drone to fix that problem they were having. Let me, let me just pull on that thread just real quick. Uh, um, and I, I hear you 100% that LiDAR, like going through vegetation, is the, the key advantage. But are we talking about, I mean, like grass or tree canopy? At what, what level and density are we talking about the LiDAR can penetrate? If you can stand on the ground, um, like if you're in a, in a tree canopy, underneath a tree canopy, if you can see light uh, through the canopy, you will likely get a decent... Uh, measurement on the ground because the, the LIDAR unit is sending out so many laser, like 600 lasers, laser, 600,000 laser pulses per second uh, on a, on a drone type LIDAR system. Uh, so that typically will go through any place that you can see, see the sky uh, through the tree canopy, you will likely get a shot through it on the ground. Uh, so it depends on how much canopy understory, you know, ground cover you have, but if the bare earth is kind of visible to the sky, it will likely get it. So Joe, now that we uh, kind of understand what the technology is mm -hmm. and how it's used, um, I'm a person who's always interested in the cost. Mm -hmm. uh, so for our listeners that aren't currently using LIDAR, but might be uh, interested in kind of getting into this game, mm -hmm. um, what would be some of the typical equipment costs uh, that they would be facing to, to get started up here? Mm -hmm. The different uh, manufacturers have different pricing models, um, like just like uh, kind of like uh, laser printers or uh, inkjet printers. Uh, HP will sell you a printer for next to nothing and they will make their money on the ink cartridges. So uh, LiDAR drones are very similar. Uh, some manufacturers charge you for the hardware up front and then they sell you a software package and you, you know, process your data uh, through their software or a, a separate software package and you own all that uh, and you pay up front a uh, big investment for that. Other, and so a LiDAR drone could cost you $100,000, dollars $300,000. You know, it's not a DJI Phantom 4 that you're going to get at Best Buy. It's a purpose-built, has a lot more technology in it, a lot more hardware. Um, there's other manufacturers uh, that you purchase, uh, kind of give them an upfront, they, they sell you the gear at a much lower price point, uh, but then they charge you, it's kind of a closed system, and they charge you for the data processing on the back end, and they make their money there. So you can buy a LiDAR drone uh, something that would cost you a hundred or one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can buy that for forty-five thousand dollars. But you're then going to pay per project to process the data. So you might pay, depending on the size of the project, it's usually dependent on the number of minutes you fly, you know, the number of points you collect. So you could pay forty-five thousand dollars for the aircraft and the payload, and then pay. 
$5,000 a project to uh, send the data to the manufacturer and have it processed through their, uh, through their system. So there's kind of advantages and disadvantages to each of those pricing models. Um, in, in the case where you kind of get the whole package, you get the hardware at a discount and you pay per project to process it. It's nice because it's usually one workflow, one manufacturer, if you have an issue, you can call them. The other pricing model is you, you, know, you pay upfront, large upfront investment, you own the software, you, or you own the hardware, you're responsible for maintaining the hardware, um, but you then um, don't pay per project. So you can use it all the time and um, you know, use it all the time and you're not charging, you know, getting a fee every time you process the data. So and it depends if you're gonna do a lot of projects with it, if you're gonna use it every single day, probably makes sense to own your hardware and all the software for your complete workflow. If you're gonna do once a week or once a month, uh, you might wanna do one of these hardware as a service type of deals. And that was going to be kind of my follow-up question. I think you've kind of answered it. But again, for those listeners that are thinking about getting into this game or would have uh, use for this technology, um, do you have any advice for those contractors about whether they need to invest in LIDAR or is it simply a better model for them to contract these services out? I think it depends on... Um, if they have the personnel in-house, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a surveyor, but somebody that is uh, technology savvy, um, you know, maybe familiar with surveying, but especially if they have a survey, survey department, um, they have in-house capability, maybe even a BIM department or a VDC department. Um, I think they could certainly handle, they can be trained. A lot of these systems are, you know, you program the flight path into them, what you want to achieve, and it will design uh, the flight uh, for you, and you hit a button and it'll go. So in one regard, yes, it's very easy. And in that case, I would recommend one of these closed systems because the workflows are well-defined. Uh, the data, there's one workflow. You basically fly it, send it, download the data from the aircraft, and send the data to the manufacturer and you get your results. Um, now that's really, that would, I would, I would recommend that to a contractor that does not have an in-house survey department, uh, just somebody that is pretty technology savvy, they could do that. Um, some surveyors, uh, surveyors like to have their hands on the data, you know, so they want to own their data. They like to process it. They like lots of reports. Um, so, uh, company that has an in-house survey department might want to go another way and um, be able to own the equipment, own the software, process their own data, and they might be more comfortable that way. So just one, one more follow-up question in, in that area. Uh, mm -hmm. Say, you know, I decide to go down this path. Where would I find the training and the technical assistance that I would need to get a program up and running? Mm -hmm. um, like, like our, we're um, a dealer rep, so we, we sell the drones. So we sell and train our customers on how to operate them. We will be out there in the field with them, you know, when they're first starting out until they're comfortable. And um, 
that's what I would, whoever they, whoever they buy the equipment from should be able to train them. Uh, and then the dealer reps are usually backed up by the manufacturer. They have their own training and technical support uh, resources. So if uh, the dealer, uh, the first line of uh, support would be the dealer and then they'd be backed up by the manufacturer. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, that is a wrap then today um, with the episode four on LIDAR. And we covered, as usual, the what and why and how much. So I'd like to say um, a thank you as we sign off to Bill and Joe Burgett for being such wonderful hosts today and getting the important answers about this technology. And also thank you to our LIDAR subject matter expert, Joe Priestner with Doug Parnell for spending time with BuilderCast team and the listeners today. And I really appreciate it, everybody. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of BuilderCast. We hope you enjoy our show enough that you'll subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, if you aren't already a member of Carolina's AGC, we'd love to welcome you to the family. You can find out more at www.cagc.org forward slash Y-C-A-G-C. Y'all stay safe and we'll see you next time.